This morning I got a question for you. How many times did you hear the, the saying, how do you know what God wants? How do you know what God thinks? How do you know what God intends for your life? How many times did you hear the words, God forsaken? How many times did you hear the words, cursed? People sometimes even go so far as to say, it's because you're so far from God, that's why you won't get a breakthrough. People sometimes go so far to say, when are you slecht? Yes, slecht. You know what that means? It's a fella. How many times have we been labeled with these labels? And these are things that erode our faith. These are words that erode our faith. These are lies. I want to tell you that. And it robs us from the full experience of cultivating faith in Jesus this morning. If you have our Bibles with us, let's turn to Mark chapter 5. We'll be reading from verse 21. Mark chapter 5 from verse 21. If you have it this morning, say amen. 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 Mark chapter 5, reading from verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again and went to the other side of the lake where a large crowd was gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell to his feet, pleading fervently with him, My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come, lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, a crowd after him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she spent all that she had, everything. She had to pay, uh, she had to pay them, but, she, but she's gotten no better. In fact, she got worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him, and through the crowd, touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel her body again that she had been, that she had been healed, and the terrible condition is gone. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd, placing all around you. How can you ask who touched me? Verse 32. But he kept on looking. He kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened, came to him, fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived. From, Jair, from, the house, from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher. But Jesus overheard them. He said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Only have faith. Mm -hmm. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a huge commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, 
Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them leave. He took the girl's father, mother, and the three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talita kum, which means, little girl, get up. And at once, the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict instructions under order not to tell anyone what had happened and then told them to give us something to eat. May the Lord bless the reading of this word. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful story? How many times have we, have we encountered this passage of Scripture? How many times haven't we gone through this passage of Scripture? But every time we read it, it's amazing. You see, Jairus is a synagogue leader, right? So this is a man people know. A man with credentials. In other words, a man that's been... You understand? This is a man who comes before Jesus with his own type of resources in the midst of the crowd. I want to paint a picture for you. Think about this. It's a whole crowd around Jesus. And this leader of the synagogue comes before Jesus. People are looking at this leader. And what does this leader do? You might think that he's going to know. He falls to his knees immediately. Immediately he implores and he asks and he begs and he says, Lord, my child is dying at all. He falls to the knees of the leader, of the greatest leader. Note, when Jairus comes to Jesus, there's a certain thing that happens. He comes to Jesus with a certain type of language when we read. In his language, when Jairus speaks, he doesn't come to Jesus and say, um, Lord, Maybe if you come with me, then maybe you can pray for her and we'll see what happens. Did he say that? No. no. He comes before Jesus with a certain type of certainty. He comes before him and he says, Lord, I know if you can just, if you can just come with me, if you can just touch her, lay your hands on her so that she can love, heal her. So that she, she can love. Now, what is this that we're speaking about? It's a certainty. What else? What other word can we place there? Faith. Amen. Thank you, sister. There's a certain particular amount of certain certainty in Jairus' speech. He didn't come and negotiate a tender. He could have said, "Look, if if you do, if you heal my daughter, I'll give you a place in the synagogue." No. You see, Jairus came before Jesus with absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing that he could give Jesus. There's nothing that he could put before him and say, Lord, I have this. No, absolutely nothing. This leader with all the resources, this leader that has probably also been, let's say, a synagogue leader. Performing his duties. He's got nothing to give to Jesus. But one thing that he does have on his knees is a certainty. A certainty that, Lord, I know if you come with me, I know you can put your hands on her. I know you can touch her. And I know that she'll be healed. Not maybe. 
Now, I'd like you to spend now, just picture with me for a moment. Imagine yourself that you have an emergency at home, right? Khrot emergency at home. You're in an ambulance, 911 call. You're in the ambulance already, you're going home with the ambulance, with the paramedics, and you're flying through robots, you're going through the traffic, and it's time, and you're watching. Traffic lights are going past, the sirens are wailing. All of a sudden, the ambulance stops. All of a sudden, on your way home, someone's waiting there, the ambulance stops. What does the ambulance do? They get out. There's someone who's also sick. So on the way to you, they stop. And what do they do? They start attending to another patient. Can I ask you, how would you feel about that? Frustrated. How else? Angry. Right? Anxious. We need to go. My person is waiting. I phoned. I called you. I was in here. Why are you stopping? Just think about it for a moment. Now, let's make it real this morning. While you're in the ambulance, right? The ambulance stops. And you're watching these paramedics cheat someone else. Your phone rings. You take out your phone. Hello, what's happening? The person at home just died. They died. While you are watching the ambulance, the paramedics help someone else. And this person gets up and they're well. How will you then feel? Hopefully done. Because imagine you went through the effort. And here they stop for somebody else. In fact, your phone rings and they tell you, listen here, the person that he just died. In fact, don't worry coming with the ambulance anymore. You need to come with pathology, but the black marae. You must come pick up the body. How would you feel sitting in that ambulance? You see, this is the beauty of Jesus. Christ doesn't work on schedules or our schedules or our timelines. He doesn't work that way. He doesn't work that way. You see, Jesus is never too busy. How many times do we sing that? He's never too busy to hear your hearts cry. But this proves it this morning. He's never ever too busy. You see, even in the circumstances, right? Jesus treats all his children equally. Amen. Equally. No matter where you come from, whether you're a synagogue leader, or whether you're a lady that's been suffering for 12 years in silence, whether you've given everything that you have. This morning I want to share something with you. I don't know if I have it here. Oh, yes, I do. Right? 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 We know what this is, right? Put all your poles in here. All your tablets in here. The reason why I brought this with me this morning, I don't stand before you here and you see me and think that, hey, this guy sorted out. No, 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 no. <laughs> Far from it. You see, this is a God that deals with us just as we are. You see, this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, this is mine. And in here goes a whole lot of tablets for a whole lot of illnesses that's happening in this body. But I want to tell you, there's no faith in this. 
No faithfulness this morning. I want to tell you something this morning. As much as I stand before you here, there are ailments going on as well in here, in this body. There's a big but. There's a big but in that. And that but this morning is that we don't trust upon this. We trust in God. We trust in the healer this morning. You see, he doesn't have a schedule. He doesn't go by a schedule. This is a prayer request. This here, we give to the Lord. Each and every tablet for each and every ailment, we bring it before God. And we give it to Him. You see, the lady's been suffering for 12 years. And I might be sitting here, you might be sitting here with ailments that you've been suffering with for I don't know how long. You might have habits, you might have things in your life this morning that you probably feel is not in the will of God. And yeah, it might be years. You probably saw Jesus do it for someone else. And you're wondering, when is it my turn this morning? You see, the difference is that she had faith. She told herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. You see, Jairus didn't understand something. At that very moment, when the lady, when the woman suffering for 12 years came before Jesus, she's been at a place where Jairus is still going. She's come back from a place where Jairus is still going to. You see, her condition, or what I mean by this when I say Jairus is still going to that place, it's a place where your condition still gets even worse than what it is. You've come to Christ. You've knelt before him. You've given it all. But you're still going somewhere. You see, you're going where she went. And this is where you are rock bottom. Where everything doesn't make sense. Where nothing at all can comprehend. Now, just like the woman, Jairus' condition got worse. He came to Jesus and he said, Lord, help me. My child is dying. All of a sudden, my child is dead. What did Jesus say to the, to the woman? Let's go to chapter 5, verse 34. You still have your Bibles with you. Chapter 5, verse 34. Anybody got it? Amen. Verse 34 says, And he said to her, Daughter, your faith made you well. He says, Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I'm going to read it again. Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Is it not interesting that Christ called this woman daughter? At that moment, he calls a daughter. He doesn't call a woman. He calls a daughter. And Jairus' daughter is dead. Not only is she daughter, but this daughter, it's an endearment. It's close. I cannot call someone son that I don't know or love. This is the love of Christ. She might be, you might be 
But I want to remind you about something this morning. You his daughter. You his son this morning. You his child this morning. You see, she came to Christ afraid. What is he going to say? What is he going to do? I just did this thing. But Christ turns around in love. And he calls her daughter. Not stranger. He identifies with her as daughter. You see, Christ tells that your faith has made you whole. Fighting against circumstances, fighting through the crowd, fighting through. She was weak. What do we see here? Both, both circumstances, both stories. Faith, number one. Faith in who? Faith in Christ. But it doesn't stop there, people. For faith without any action amounts to absolutely nothing. You see, the action that they have to take is Jairus stepping down from his synagogue leader position. Stepping down. Acknowledging who he is. For 12 years, this lady has gone doctor in and doctor out. You might know about it this morning. But you see where the action took place. It's not just the faith that I have that if I can just touch his garment and I leave it there. No. She fought against the crowd. The Bible says there was a crowd. This woman was weak. She fought in her weakness. So what am I trying to say? Despite my circumstances, despite how bad it is at home, despite how bad it is inside this body, despite, in spite of, how many times do we get called upon to do work for the Lord? Whether it's giving a Sunday school lesson, or whether the pastor asks for a testimony, or whether it's just sharing Christ with a friend at home or at work. How many times does God call upon us that way? And we make these circumstances excuses. Oh Lord, I can't because you know. No, in spite of. In spite of faith and action. In spite of. We're going to do a little bit more reading this morning. The same book. Mark, let's go to chapter 6. Just the next chapter. The same book, chapter 6. Now, this is a portion where Jesus is rejected by his own. Let's read. Jesus left the part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next, Sabbath, um, the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where do you get such wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, they said. The son of Mary, they said. And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, his sisters lived right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told him, a prophet, is, a, prophet is never honored. a prophet is honored everywhere except his own hometown and amongst his own relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles amongst them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. People this morning, 
I need to let you know that, yes, faith in action, but there's also the opposite. There are those who scoff. There are those who throw it in his face. There are those that, ah, they unbelief. What does the Bible say here? You see, the Messiah, the King of Kings, was unrecognized. They didn't recognize him. Why? They had no faith. They saw through the eyes of flesh. That's all. All that they saw was a carpenter's son before them. All that they saw was a mere man. The brother of... That's all they saw. In fact, they could probably refer to his child or to anything. Now, when we read verse 5, people, it says, because of their unbelief, he could not perform any miracles amongst them. I want to ask you this morning, how many times did you ask for a miracle? When you got up the next morning, you said, ah, I knew it. I knew it's not going to happen. How many times has that happened to you? How many times was the unbelief Maybe not from yourself, maybe someone else, another family member, a friend, work colleagues, your friends, brother. How many times do we give in to the ear of the unbelief? You see, the Bible says here, Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. So, as much as we have faith, there are those of us that sometimes have so much unbelief that it even amazes Christ, our Savior. Isn't it ironic that when we read the Bible and we, and we read about Christ walking with his disciples, that, he, that Christ every time, so often, needed to remind his disciples about faith. If you have faith, just as a mustard seed. He says, if you have faith, you can say to this mountain, move, and that mountain will move. How many times do we see in the Bible Christ had to remind, remind, remind his own disciples? If only you believe. If only you believe. Like he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Some version says, just believe. How many times doesn't he have to do that too for us? This morning I've got a question for you. This is the basis, this is the foundation of our faith series. This morning, the title is not about faith as a mustard seed. The title is not about faith as anything. But it is Jesus' response to our faith in action. He responds to it. You see, when Jairus came before him, he responded. When the sick lady came before him, he responded. He didn't. He responded. This morning, you come before him. I come before him. And he's going to respond. Mm-hmm. You are not Uslach. You are not. Those are labels put on you by the world. And this morning, I want to remind you. We know who we are. Mm-hmm. We know what is spoken. We sang it this morning. Who do you see today? Who do you see today online? Do you just see a man? Do you just see another 
or do you see the Christ this morning? And being influenced by voices. He's telling you, ah, it's useless. Don't still come with Jesus. Just get a body bag. It's over. Who do you see this morning? I want you to remind to remember something this morning. You could be sitting there, you could be the woman who suffered for 12 years. You could be in Jairus' shoes this morning. But I want you to remember something this morning. Do not be afraid. Only have faith. There's circumstances that you might face this morning that might be coming on that you do not know how to face this morning. I'm going to tell you the same thing. Do not be afraid. Only have faith. He responds to our faith.